Let's continue our series of messages on the cross of Christ and CrossFit's what we're calling it. And if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 10. That's our text here in just a moment, verses 25 through 37. Uh, for those of you that may be guests, let me just take a moment to welcome you. We're so glad that you're here today. You are joining us uh, about the third week now of uh, eight weeks, a series of messages. We call it CrossFit, not the bodily exercise kind, uh, variety, but the spiritual kind that we're looking at. And what, what we're doing is we are all learning as a church this new evangelism um, presentation that have called it the five crosses. And today is the third cross that we're going to focus on. And I had an opportunity even Tuesday night to be able to share it with somebody in the community. The first cross just is the introduction to say, you know, there's a lot of symbols in the world today. And there's a lot of icons and emblems and that sort of thing. And, and you could think of many of them as I do. The Nike swoosh, everything from apples, little apple with the, bitten, the piece bitten out of it. And, you know, the rings of the Olympics. There's so many. Our world is a world of, of symbols. But the greatest symbol... And, and the greatest icon, and we know this as followers of Christ, is the cross. That vertical beam intersected, bisected by the horizontal. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the first cross. The second cross accentuates and highlights that vertical beam where God came down to man in the form of His Son, Jesus, and He died for us and arose from the dead so that we could have eternal life. Let me give you this verse. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates His love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. The third cross is the cross we're going to focus and accentuate today, and that is the horizontal dimension or the other's dimension. Uh, the Bible says there are two great commandments. Jesus said you can sum up all the, all the Old Testament, all the law in these two words, in these two commandments. Love God. With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as you love yourself. And that's that horizontal beam. And I want, I want to share this with you, and I want to make sure you, you get this. This is so important. It is absolutely impossible for us to be rightly related to one another if we're not rightly related to our Creator. But when we are forgiven of our sins, then we are empowered to forgive others and to relate to others who come into our life. Uh, the fourth cross is the one that just deals with our personal testimony. John 9, 25, the text next week that I'll preach on, uh, where the man who had congenital blindness, he was born blind, and Jesus healed him, and people were interrogating him and saying, oh, Jesus is a sinner. And he said, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. All I know is once I was blind, but now I can see. And that was his personal testimony, and that's cross number four. And the last cross is just the cross of invitation. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And Romans 10, 9 says, if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, we believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So those are the five crosses that we're learning, that we're sharing. And like I said earlier, the, today we're focusing on cross number three that deals with the dimension of others. You know, I mentioned Tuesday night, we're having a good time, and I invite you, even though I'm... I'm going to be away this Tuesday night. I'll be in Dallas. But let me encourage you to come. We're having a fantastic time just going out among our neighbors here. And here's what I do, church. I knock on somebody's door and I say, listen, we're that big church, that big campus there on the corner of Jollyville and Marado Cove. And do you know where we're located? And everybody knows where we're located. I mean, this is a large campus. And here's what I tell them. I say, listen, we're in your neighborhood just to love on you, to encourage you, to see if there's anything 
that our big church can do for you. Can we pray for you? And we give them water bottles, give them candy. Amen. Everybody loves candy. You know what I'm saying? Give them little chocolates. And they're just like, this, this is the, the response I'm getting more than anything. They just look at us like, what, what is this? What, what, really, y'all are that church? And we're like, yes, we, we're encouraging them to come. And, you know, there's some other things that are going on in our church as we are a radiant church that's reaching out to our community and beyond. Let, let me mention a couple of these before we get into the text. You know, I think the, if not the, i got to be careful what I say. Because um, I almost said, you know, the, the best thing going, but if I say that, then, then I'll get, I may get criticized a little bit. One of the best things going on, how's that? In our church is our LifeBridge, our ESL ministry. I don't know if y'all know this, but we have 24 countries visiting our church during the week. It's fantastic. 24 countries, uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we have these ESL classes. And God bless you, Becky Lofton and Nancy Gibbs. God bless your whole team as you come. And listen to this, Great Hills. The, the textbook they use is the Bible. And so these people, internationals from all over the world, and I'm, I'm saying all over the world, when they come on our campus, they're learning about Jesus. And, and, and what's really cool is I just walk down the aisle, walk down the hall there Wednesday night, and just see the fellowship and see our people encouraging other people from all over the world. It is fantastic, and I'm praising God. I'm so grateful to God for that ministry. Let me, let me mention another ministry to you that we're going to kick it off tomorrow night. We started last week with a time of prayer, but tomorrow night we're going to have our first international worship service. People from all over the world, those who have to work on Sunday, we're inviting them to come on Monday, and we're going to have church. We're going to have worship and preaching. And Brother Alex Ignatius, I want you to come up here, and I want you to help me out with this because Alex is going to be given great leadership to this, and I've asked him if he would pray for us. So, David, would you grab that microphone for us, and we'll let uh, Alex pray. And uh, I love to hear this man of God pray. And we, you know, God has blessed us with so many people from all over the world, especially from the great country of India. I can't tell you how many Indian people I meet when I'm out in the community. And when I tell them, hey, I've been to your country, they're like, What? Say, well, you've been to my country. <clears throat> I'm saying, yes, like six or seven times. And so we did that the other night, <clears throat> and a lady was just so receptive to us. And so I invited her to the 7 o'clock service. I say, if you have to work on a, on a Sunday, of course, you're more than welcome to come on Sunday. But if you have to work, then come on Monday. So we're kicking it off tomorrow night in uh, room A158. I love this, brother. I tell you, he's going to pray for us, all right? And so he's going to pray for that service. Would you lead us in prayer, Alice? As I pray, if all of us could have our eyes closed, may the only eyes be open in this place is all of our Lord's. Father God, we thank you, we praise you, we give you glory and honor, O oh Lord. Thank you for this precious time of prayer, O oh Lord. And Father, and Father, as we come to the throne of grace, Father, first of all, Father, we ask for the lack of prayer in our lives, O oh Lord. And Father, forgive us for those times, O oh Master, when the prayer became our last resort and not our first response, O oh Lord. And Father, here we are today, O oh Lord. And Father, as our first response today, even before we set a stone, O oh Lord, and Father, we come to your throne of grace, praying, O oh Master. Thank you for this 
wonderful church, O oh Lord. Thank you for this wonderful pastor, O oh Lord, who, who shares the truth, who preaches the truth, O oh Lord. And Father, as we pray, O oh Master, as we pray, we, pray we, we proclaim the promise of Proverbs 20, 21, O oh Lord, 21, 22, O oh Lord. And Father, a mighty man scales the city and brings down the strong also, Master. And Father, today we pray for every ministry of gradles, O oh Lord. And Father, you know the dents that Satan has put in the hearts of people who are leading, O oh Lord. That little bit of weariness, O oh Lord. That little bit of tiredness, O oh Lord. And Father, tonight we pray that, O oh Master, every one of those dents, O oh Lord, will become ditches that you will fill with water, O oh Master. Father, the promise of, O oh Lord, 2 Kings 3, 17, we pray upon, O oh Master, you shall not see wind, you will not rain, but your valleys will be filled with water, O oh Master. I pray that, O oh Master, every ministry of gradles, O oh Lord. And Father, the Monday night worship service that we are starting tomorrow, O oh Master, our ditches will be filled with water, O oh Master. The, you, you promised, O oh Lord, and those who believe in me, out of them will proceed forth rivers of living water, O oh Lord. Every ministry out of which, O oh Lord, the rivers of living waters proceed forth and save souls, O oh Lord. We thank you. We praise you, Master. Father, we pray that we are in this city of Austin for, for such as a time as this. We are not here by chance, O oh Lord. We are here by your choice. We are in this church, gradles, O oh Lord. And Father, for such as a time as this, O oh Master, and Father, help us to scale the city and bring down the strongholds and take captive of the souls for your kingdom and your kingdom alone, O oh Lord. And even now, as Pastor proceeds by preaching, O oh Lord, may your word proceed forth with power and authority, O oh Master, to convict our souls, O oh Lord, convict our hearts, O oh Lord, and transform our lives, O oh Lord. We surrender unto you and we submit, we submit ourselves unto you, Lord, and we claim the promise of John 17, 17. Sanctify us by your truth, for thy word is truth, O Master. Yes. For thy word is truth. We give you all glory and honor. In Jesus' most precious name I pray. Amen. Thank you, my brother. Let me give that mic to him. That's awesome. Thank you, Alex. Amen. Woo. Thank you, brother Alex. I tell you guys, that guy's got some preach in him. You know what I'm saying? And so he's going to be preaching that Monday night service. It's going to be fantastic. I'm going to be there tomorrow night, Alex. I can't wait. I, I'm just trusting God to do what only God can do, to bring people in from our community. And you know, many, po many folks, they want to come on Sunday. We're noticing in the international community, but they say, I just have to work. I cannot get out of work. So, you know, it's interesting what God's doing in our church. Church family, I don't know if you realize this or not. God's like, one way or another, I'm going to grow my church. I'm going to build my kingdom there at 10,500 Jollyville, whether it's with white folks, black folks, uh, Hispanic folks, brown folks, you know, Oriental folks, Asian folks, African folks. God's going to build His church. I'm so glad to know that I'm on a winning team today. That God's winning. He has won. And praise God, He will win. And we, we get to take part in that winning enterprise that Almighty God is doing. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Whose church is it? It's His church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. Well, i got to get into the text today. I'm excited about this message. I'm, what I want to do is Luke 10, uh, 25 through 37, is the parable of the Good Samaritan. I've preached on this text before here at Great Hills, but, you know, we're a different church than we were when I preached on this text. And so the text is the same. The exegesis, the syntax, the grammar, the history, the study, the hermeneutics, that's all the same. I get that. But our application will be a little bit different because we're, we're a different church. We're morphing into more of this radiant church that just reaches our neighbors 
and reaches out to the nations. And we praise God for that. Thank you, Ralph, for that prayer a moment ago. Yes, that's who God's calling us to be. He's calling us to love Him and to love one another, to love our neighbors, and then love the nations of this world. So here, here it is, the parable of the Good Samaritan. You, you, you're, I know you know this story. And I know you, like me, you love the Word of God and you love this story. So I, I just pray the Holy Spirit just teaches us afresh and anew and makes fresh application to our lives today, okay? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to read the text and we're going to study it as we read it. So just follow along with me. It'll take a little bit of time. Hope you're not in a hurry. Hope you're not trying to run and run through the text. Let's just kind of go through the text slowly. And then at the end of the textual study, we're going to look at three life applications that we are going to extract from the Word of God, and we're praying that the Spirit of God would apply the truth of God to the people of God so we can go be the church of God. Okay? You good? If you're happy and you know it, say amen. amen. Okay? You glad to be here? Say yes. yes. You ready to hear the Word of God? Say yes. Yes. Praise God. So let's read it. Here we go in, in Luke chapter 10. The Bible says, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up. Some of you are going, I don't like this text already. There's a lawyer. There's, a, there's a, an attorney in the Bible. Now hold on just a second. Don't cast judgment. This, a lawyer stood up and he tested Jesus. And he said, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Well, let's talk about this verse right quick. When, when the Bible uses the word lawyer here, it, it means a a teacher, a, a lawyer in the sense of a scribe, okay? Someone who is an expert in the Judeo law, okay? Are you with me? It's not somebody who is a modern-day attorney prosecuting or defending cases, not at all, okay? It is a scribe. It is someone who is an expert in the law of God, okay? That's this person. Now, by the way, let me go ahead and tell you, these people did not like Jesus Christ at all. They were part of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin and the leadership of Judaism. They were repulsed by this carpenter-turned-preacher, Jesus, okay? And so this guy, he stands up. He is a lawyer. And the Bible says he wanted to test Jesus. Can I just go on record and say, that is a bad idea. You do not want to get in a debate with the with Almighty God. I mean, you're, you're going to lose that debate every single time. And Jesus is going to win this argument powerfully. But I want you to notice the way he does it. With such winsomeness, with such kindness, and with such a powerful story that here we are 2,000 years later talking about the story that God gave to that lawyer. Now, the question he asked is a powerful question. Now, I'll make sure we understand the question that the lawyer asked Jesus when he said, Teacher... What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Can we just put it in our own vernacular? Jesus, would you please tell me how I can be eternally saved? How can I know that I, as a mere mortal human being, how can I know that when I die, I will spend eternity with Almighty God in heaven? Can you please explain that to me? Okay, that's the question. And by the way, Jesus will give an answer that is the common answer both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. I love Robert Stein's comment here, and I'm going I'm to share a quote with you. Uh, his textbook, The Parables of Jesus, was my textbook when I was a college student at the University of Mobile about 100 years ago. And I remember Robert Stein's book, Introduction to the Parables of Jesus. And he, today, still great writings, great insight in his commentary on Luke. This is what he said, quote, 
The way to eternal life is the same in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. It is by grace through a faith that works in love. That is a great definition. Let me say it to you again. We are saved in the Old Testament just like we're saved in the New. It is by God's grace through faith. There it is, okay? It's God's grace, and we believe it, and if it's genuine, watch this, if it really takes, if the Holy Spirit really comes in us, then we will work. Then we will serve, not in order to be saved, but because we have been saved. Does that make sense? Isn't that good? Isn't that rich theology? So he says, teacher, tell me, what must I do? to in inherit eternal life. Verse 26, and Jesus said to him, question. I love this. Daniel, when you and I were out Tuesday night, and we asked that atheist, Daniel says, well, what do you believe? And I thought that was very powerful, very, very good. Sometimes I forget to ask. I'm so excited. I want to share. I want to quote scripture. I want to give my testimony. I want to see people saved. Sometimes I don't just slow down enough to say, well, what do you think? And that's what Jesus did right here. This is the Socratic dialogical, not monological, but the dialogical Socratic question and answer and listen. And Jesus says, what do you think about that? What's written in the law? What is your interpretation of the law? And that's, man, that's powerful what Jesus did. It's so simple and yet it's incredibly profound. He asked a question, okay? And so the man answered and said, oh man, he was right on. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Can we just say ding, 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 ding? Yep, right answer. He quoted Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, and Leviticus 19, 18. And basically, those two messages are love God with everything you got, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three of the synoptic gospel writers contain this, this statement. Uh, Matthew and Mark actually have Jesus given the statement, but Luke has this expert of the law. But they all say the same thing. The law says, love God. Love Him with everything you got, with your mind, your heart, your volition, just everything in you. Love God, and then love one another. And notice what Jesus said in verse 29. And Jesus said to him, Well, my land, young man, you have done great. You have answered correctly, or you have answered rightly. Now watch this. Do this, and you will live. Jesus said, You got it up here, but do you have it right here? <laughs> Really love God, that's, that's important, and love your neighbor as yourself. So, I, I don't know if y'all know what's going on here. There's a little bit of give and take. There's a little bit of argumentation about to happen. Because the man stands for the sole purpose to test Jesus, to catch Jesus. And, and, and so Jesus is allowing himself to be caught up in this argument or in this dialogue, but Jesus diffuses it. And he just interjects so much truth and compassion that here we are today studying it. And Jesus said to him, you have answered rightly, do this, and you will live. But, verse 29, but the lawyer wanted to justify himself. You say, what is going on here? What do you mean he wants to justify himself? And so he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And so he... 
he's wanting to argue. He knows what the law says, love God and love your neighbor. But he is an expert in Judaism, he is a Pharisee, he is a scribe, and his neighbor is another Jew, okay? His neighbor is certainly not a Gentile or a Samaritan or somebody from another religion or another creed or another tradition or another doctrine. That is not his neighbor because he's superior to him. Are you with me? He's an expert in the law, and so he's trying to catch Jesus. Jesus, who is my neighbor? Ah, gotcha. That's what he's trying to say, gotcha. Because, I, you know, the neighbor is another Jew. What do you think about all this? Oh, bad mistake, dude. Bad mistake, lawyer. He wanted to justify himself. And isn't that the heart of man? We want to justify ourselves. We want to justify our thoughts and our, uh, our ideas and our opinions. And oh, let, me, let me give you this word. Let me give this word. We want to be right more than we want to love people. We're more concerned about getting our argument across than we are about loving people and just saying, you know, I had a transgendered atheist tell me Tuesday night, knocked on his door, her door, I'm not sure which, but she said, he said, I'm an atheist. And I said, I respect that. That's your belief system and I respect it. Obviously, I'm not an atheist. I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm here just to tell you we love you. We're concerned about you. How can we pray for you? I'm an atheist. Leave me alone. And so we just left, okay? And so people out there, and by the way, that's one out of a hundred. The other 99 or 90-something plus percent are, okay, well, yeah, thank you for coming. Or let me, let, yeah, you can pray for me. It's so cool. So cool. Let me get back to this. Okay, okay. And then Jesus said to him, you sorry scoundrel, you nitwit. You knuckleheaded Pharisee idiot of a man you are. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, hey, hey, watch it. Let me tell you a story. You got him. Let me, let me tell you a story. Everybody loves a good story. And Jesus is about to tell one. He said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among thieves. And this guy's probably going, what in the world are you talking about? Jerusalem to Jericho, thieves? What? And Jesus says, yeah. And they stripped him of his clothing. They wounded him, and they departed, leaving him half dead. So Jesus interjects a story. And it's, um, it's, a, it, it's a reenactment. It probably not really happened this way, but Jesus is postulating, maybe a hypothetical. It, it certainly could have went down this way. That Jerusalem, you know, whenever the Bible mentions Jerusalem, it always says it's elevated. And if you've been there, it's, it's elevated. It's 3,000 feet, 2,800 feet above sea level or 2,500 feet above sea level. Jericho is 800 feet below sea level. And so there, we're talking 3,300 feet difference from Jerusalem to Jericho. And when you go on that path, and when you, it is still today a very windy path, precipitous drop-offs, rocks. And it was common back then. And I read a story once before, that even, even as just a few years ago, there were robbers camped out in the road from Jerusalem to Jericho because it's a great place to hide and grab people and rob people. And so Jesus is saying, a guy, a certain man, 
Perhaps he's a Jewish man. That's kind of what we're thinking. That's what Jesus is kind of leading us to believe. Because we're in Judaism, hello. And we're in Judea. And he is going from Jerusalem to, to Jericho, and they get him. They strip him. They beat him. They leave him half dead. And Jesus says, verse 31, Now somebody just like you, sir, <laughs> somebody who was a priest came down that road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Now, a priest was a descendant of Aaron, responsible for the upkeep of the religion of Judaism in Jerusalem, in the temple. He was a man of the cloth. Are you with me? A priest, a man of God. Surely, when he goes and he sees somebody half dead, beaten up, I mean, surely he's going to go and help this man because you were supposed to love God and what? Love our neighbor. But he didn't. Jesus continues on. And likewise, a Levite. A Levite was of the descendants of Levi. He was, the Levites were the assistants to the priest. And oftentimes in the Old Testament, the Levites were the singers, the worship leaders. So well, let's say like Brother Danny went by and didn't do Jack, and Terry went by and he didn't do anything either. That's what's going on here. These are ministers of God's Word. These are people of the cloth. And, and, and Jesus, he's setting this thing up because if anybody ought to fulfill the law, it ought to be those guys, the priests, the Levites. Surely they love God, and it will be manifest in the way they love this broken neighbor. Well, he looked. He passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, he came where the man was, and when he saw him... The Bible says, verse 33, he had... Nah, it's a beautiful word, church. That word compassion means to be viscerally, bodily moved to the point. You can go no further until you help. In Matthew 9, 36, when Jesus looked out over the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep who had no shepherd. And so this Samaritan, Listen, they refer to them as half-breeds. Remember last week we talked about in 722, the Assyrian army came in and destroyed the ten northern tribes of Israel, Ephraim, and their capital city of Samaria. And when, what they did was they just they devastated the place. They deported most of the people to Assyria, but some of the, the stragglers, if you will, some of the Jews who stayed behind, the Assyrians took people from all over the world and put them in Samaria, and they married the other Jews, and so they're not true Jews, okay? They're half-breeds, if you will. I mean, this tense racism here, all right? Very tense cultural, religious, and might I even add theological tension between a Jew and a Gentile, watch this, and a Jew and a Samaritan. And this guy, this expert of the law, he is so pompous. He is so proud. He, is, he thinks he's so absolutely right, and everybody else is totally, unequivocally inferior to him. Yes, the Gentiles and the Samaritans. And Jesus puts a whammy on him. Jesus said, but a Samaritan saw him, and he had compassion on him. Wow. And verse 34 says, so he went to him. Very simple, isn't it? He went to the man bandaged his wounds, poured oil and wine 
on those wounds. And then he set the man on his own, you with me? His own animal. And then he brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, the good Samaritan departed, he took out two denarii, two days' wages. That's a full two days of wage. In other words, that's a, that's a pretty good sum of money, wouldn't you agree? Two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said to the innkeeper, Take care of him. And what, no, no, look at the lavishness of it. And then whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay to you. The interesting thing about this Good Samaritan, and I want y'all to, to grab this. I want, you to, I want God to grab you with what I'm about to say. All right? So I want to tell you something. He already grabbed me on this. It wasn't that the Samaritan did not have places to go. We might want to excuse, well, the priests, you know, and the Levi, bless their hearts, they probably got lots of work to do for God, and so we'll kind of give them a pass. No, they were busy, and so was this guy. But he went out of his way to stop, to look, listen, and to care, and to minister to this fallen comrade, to this person, even though they are very, very different racially and socially and probably economically, all those things. It doesn't matter. The Samaritan stops and he takes care of him. So verse 36, so which of these three? <laughs> Come on, Jesus, get him. He's going to get him. Which of these three do you think was neighbor? That's what you said, right? A few minutes ago you said love God and love your neighbor. So I'm just going to ask you, which of these do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? Penetrating question. Now watch for the answer in verse 37. And he said, he won't say it, will he? <laughs> he cannot bring himself to say a Samaritan. He says, that, that guy, that one. He who showed mercy, that's, that's him. Then Jesus said to him, just simply said to him, go and do likewise. Got him. Powerful. It doesn't matter if he's a Samaritan or a Jew. It doesn't matter if he's a Gentile. It doesn't matter if he's another nation. It doesn't matter what his skin color is. It doesn't even matter what his religion is. Because they worshipped at a different temple in Samaria than they did in Jerusalem. It doesn't matter. And today, guys, here in our church and in our city, it doesn't matter what people look like. It doesn't matter what they wear. It doesn't matter their socioeconomic background. It doesn't matter their religion, their race, their creed. If they have a need, in Jesus' name, we meet their needs. We love them. We encourage them. We build them up. That's, that's the people of God. Those, those are the people that God's raising up, those kind of people. So let me, let me share with you just a couple of points here, just some important things, and then we'll wrap it up. So Stein, Dr. Stein says, if you have a parabolic saying of Jesus, don't do what the early church fathers did and make everything an allegory. Don't let everything represent... I, I was reading my study, I think it was Augustine. He had, he had something for everybody, and everything mentioned in the parable represented something else. And I'm, Stein says, here's what you do. Get the kernel of truth. Get, get the one basic, axiomatic, unforgettable truth that Jesus is communicating. I want to give it to you, and this is what I think it is. Real faith acts it out. Real faith 
genuine, love God, love neighbor. It's not just theoretical. It's not just some doctrine. It is something that is actuated. It is something that gets a hold of us, and we flesh it out in the way we live our lives. Bob, Bob Goff says it so well in his book, Love Does. That's the title of his book, church. I encourage you to read it. It, not love contemplates, not love thinks or considers or rationalizes. He just says, love does. It gets involved. It gets their hands dirty. It, it has schedules rearranged and appointments canceled. It does whatever it has to do to meet the needs of the person who is hurting. Now, i, I got to tell you something, church. I, I don't bat a thousand on this. I just want you all to know that. And when I miss an opportunity, either whether it's to share the gospel or to help somebody, you know, I, I feel that. And, I, you know, a lot of times with the homeless people around Austin, I'm just so conflicted. It's a conundrum to me because I want to help. The best thing I can do, and I do this sometimes, is to give something to drink or something to eat because many of them will take that money and they will go get other things with that money. You know what I'm saying? Now, not all of them. I understand that. But, but some and many will. And so whether it's something very simple about sharing the gospel or whether it's, you know, Galatians 6, 9, you know, not being weary but building up a brother in Galatians 6, 10 or whatever it is, I don't bat a thousand, but I want to. I want to. I don't want to miss an opportunity to be a good Samaritan to somebody in need. But real faith, genuine faith, acts it out. Let, let me give this to you in, in James chapter 2. James, half-brother of our Lord, he puts it pretty powerfully. He says, How, what does it profit, my brethren, if somebody says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? And in the Greek, I want you to know that in the Greek New Testament, there is an article that precedes the word faith. So a really good interpretation would be, can that faith save him? Can, can that kind of faith that does not help and serve and love others, can that faith save him? The rhetorical answer he's, he's wanting us to think about is no. If a brother or a sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, basically what the priest and the Levite said, depart in peace, be warmed and be filled, but you don't give them the things which are needed for the body, what, what does that profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Somebody will say, well, wait a minute. You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. Real faith, real religion, real right relationship with God always manifests itself in compassionate good do deeds to our fellow man. Number two, true love breaks down barriers. True love, the kind of love that the hero in the parable had. He walked right over the barriers of race, religion, tradition, opinion. He, he just walked right through that. As a Samaritan, surely he knew that this person who was in need was not like him, was very much unlike him, and yet he loved him, and he just burst through those barriers. November 13 through 15 is going to be a fantastic time in the life of our church. Great Hills, we are hosting the Southern Baptist of Texas annual Bible conference and meeting. November the 13th, I just, I'm just appealing to you. 
And I just want to give you a heads up because I'm giving you a month's notice. Please come. That night will be absolutely amazing. As, as the president of this conference, I get to pick who I wanted to come preach. So I've got my friend from Wales who's going to come and preach. He's pastoring in Georgia. I've got Dante Wright, African-American pastor over in Sweet Home Baptist Church in Round Rock. He's going to shuck the corn, brothers, and say, he's going to preach the dust off the stars. He's going to bring it. Ooh, son, it's going to be good. I, I can, Caroline, you're, you, will he not preach? He'll preach the Word of God, so you need to come. And then um, uh, Matt Carter, my friend over at Austin Stone. I've been texting him and praying for him. He's had lots of throat issues, but he assures me, he says, man, I am coming. I'm excited, Brother Danny. Thank you for having me come. And so y'all are looking at me like, three preachers in one night? What in the world are we going to do? Woo, we're going to have church. You know what I'm saying? And then, then that night, Dr. Leo Day, African-American man, is going to bring about 40 international students from Southwestern Seminary. They're going to do Amazing Grace. Our orchestra is going to play, and they're going to come dressed in their indigenous clothing, and they're going to sing Amazing Grace in their native tongue. Wow, is that not going to be good? It's, it's going to be fantastic. And then Monday, we've got great preachers and great things lined up. But Tuesday, let me tell you about Tuesday because this illustrates my sermon. Tuesday night, the executive director of the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention is a man by the name of Jim Richards. And Jim Richards is going to do something absolutely unprecedented. He is putting aside the convention aspect, the annual business and that sort of thing. And he said this, I am putting that aside, and we just want all the churches in Austin to come to Great Hills. And we want all churches of all denominations. We want you to come, and we're going to have a big prayer service. Greg Mott from First Baptist Houston is going to preach. And then uh, Jeremy Camp, the music uh, artist, contemporary Christian artist, is going to do a free concert right here. And Jim Richards, they're paying for it. And they're saying, it's not just a Baptist thing. This is an old people of God thing. And we want the Church of Austin to come together. So we're going to have people of different denominations. They're going to, they're going to be up here and they're going, to, they're going to be praying. And then we're going to have a great message. And then we're going to have a free concert. I was at Spirit 105.9 the other day. And they were giving me a tour. And the guy that leads that, Tim McCoy, he said, now, when Jeremy Camp comes to... Wherever he goes, we're guaranteed 4,000 people will show up if you charge for tickets. Folks, we're not charging people anything, and we don't have a sanctuary. we got a big sanctuary, but it's not going to hold 4,000 people. So let me just tell you all this. I'm giving you a heads up. You need to get here and get here early because there are going to be some mad people Tuesday night. I'm telling you, they're going to try to get in, and we're just going to try to love on them and say, we're sorry, but... Just stand out there, you know. Or, or come take my seat. I, I think that's what I'll do. If somebody wants to hear Jeremy Camp that bad, I'll get up and I'll be out in the hallway and let somebody else have my seat because I can hear him anytime on the, on the radio. I'm jacked up, y'all. I'm so excited. I can't wait. November 13, 14, and help me, 15. Please come. I want you to come. I think it'll be fantastic. Last thing I want to say to you, and I'm done. Share Jesus with words and deeds. Share Jesus with words, because that is important. If we don't tell them, 
And we say, I'll just show them. Francis of Assisi says, preach all the time and sometimes use words. That's not good. That's not good theology. That's cute. That's not good theology. Good theology is share Jesus and use words and deeds all the time. Tell them. Explain to them the gospel. The substitutionary death of Jesus Christ on a cross and His resurrection from the dead. And everybody who believes on Him will go to heaven when they die. That's the gospel verbalized, enunciated, pronounced, and spoken in word. And then do good deeds. Feed, clothe, minister, give drink, do whatever we can to show how awesome our God is. And when we get this, guys, Great Hills, Radiant Church, listen, when we get this down, ooh, it's awesome. When, you, when people hear about Jesus from us, and they see Jesus through our behavior and our actions, it is powerful. John 6, 9. Remember the story of the little boy? He had five barley loaves and two small fish. There is a lad here who has five barley loaves, two small fish, but what are they among so many? And what did Jesus do with that little lad's good deed? He gave his lunch. Wasn't much. God fed the whole, the whole place. Everybody ate. Everybody was filled. And that little boy, he... he He did a good deed. He shared what he had. And that's what I want us. That's who I want us to be. Sharing what we have, giving what we have, and speaking the gospel. And watch God do what only God can do. Okay, I'm going to show you a couple of videos. Y'all okay with that? It'll take us just a couple of minutes, but let me kind of set the videos. Guys, are we going to be able to show these? I know the sermon bump didn't make it, but are we good? Okay, good, good. Y'all going to love this. I got so excited. It all started to come together for me this week. So, the Olympics, just a few months ago, right? Actually, it was my birthday, August the 16th. In 2016, they had the 5,000-meter race, the ladies, in the second heat, okay? There's a dozen, 15, I forget how many exactly, but there are two ladies that have kind of fallen from behind But boy, they're about to sprint and give it everything they've got. Nikki Hamlin from New Zealand and Abby D'Agostino. D'Agostino. Must be Italian. D'Agostino is her name. And Nikki is running, and she trips, and she falls, and then Abby from America twists her knee, and they both tumble on the ground. Anybody see this? Y'all remember this? And what happened next was just absolutely amazing. Those two ladies, first Nikki, she is laying on the ground. And I'm going to show you this in a minute. And she, it looks like she's unconscious. But Abby stops and turns. Listen, you don't do this if you want to win a race. You run. You say, I'm a priest. <laughs> I'm a Levite. See ya. I got to win the gold, baby. See ya. And she does it. She stops. And I know what she told her. She told her these words. She said, Nikki. Wait. (laughs) She said, Nikki, you got to get up. This is the Olympics. We got to finish. Now, just to take that much time, they're going to be left behind. And Nikki Hamblin rises to her feet. And then they start to run together, and that's when Abby drops. Abby tore her ACL, her anterior cruciate ligament, and she tore her meniscus, and she drops. 
And now Nikki from New Zealand stops. This is crazy. What are you, what are you girls doing? You're going to lose. Run. No. They look, he, she leans over and helps her up to her feet. So Nikki goes on and runs. She's way behind. But here comes Abby. And you'll see her. She has a torn ACL and a meniscus. And she runs a full mile that way. Well, let me just show it to you. Then we'll wrap it up. So we're just about all set for the second heat in the women's 5,000 meters. All eyes will be on Almaz Ayana, a new world record holder over 10,000 meters. Nikki Hamlin there, she's had a Commonwealth medal over the years. D'Agostino of the USA giving the camera a little wave. Two heats. Five fastest loser spot. Ayana is now leaving the back straight and the rest of the pack has just entered the back straight. Oops, there's a fall at the back of the field here. There's a couple of runners down. And the other athlete who's fallen has decided to stop back there with her. And she is in a lot of trouble, D'Agostino. It's D'Agostino and Nikki Hamlin. Hamlin stumbles on the inside line and then a really nasty fall and an ankle problem there for D'Agostino. The American was initially showing more concern and then realised how much pain she was in. D'Agostino is going to finish this race. It's going to be a very, very painful mile for the American. Brave, brave performance to carry on. D'Agostino is being passed now by Almaz Ayana. It really will be an emotional finish to her race, which will come way after the top five qualifiers. Abby D'Agostino, tears of frustration, and maybe hopefully one day she will look back on this as a moment of great pride, embraced by the woman whose aspirations also came to an end. The ankle clearly hurting. as she decided to finish the race. And that is the very embodiment of the Olympic spirit, alive and well here in Rio in 2016. So there is an international fair play committee of the Olympics, and they will award those athletes who demonstrate that kind of compassion. And so both, both those girls, by the way, both of them won the Rio 2016 Fair Play Award. So I got to thinking, let me find out more about this Abby lady. So I was doing some research on her this week, and I found out she graduated from an Ivy League school, Dartmouth University, in 2014. Now watch this. And the bio reads, And Abby is a very devout Christian. So two days later, all right, watch this. That's August 16. August 18, Matt Lauer has her on the NBC Today Show. Maybe y'all saw this. Okay. Hello. And 
there she is, and I've got this for you. It takes about a minute to watch this. And I want you to listen when Matt Lauer says, how in the world did you do that? And I want you to, first of all, I want you to see it in the way she reached down and helped her friend. Now I want you to, to hear it. Let's, let's show it. There are always surprises that pop up at the Olympic Games, and uh, everybody loves to wait for those surprises, right? Yeah, they embody the spirit of those games, and we showed you this one unforgettable one on Wednesday. It started when New Zealand's Nikki Hamblin and American Abby D'Agostino collided with just four laps to go in a 5,000-meter qualifying heat. D'Agostino stopped to help Hamlin up. Hamlin returned the favor seconds later when D'Agostino's leg gave out. Guess who's with us now? Abby's here. How are you, Abby? How are you? I'm doing well, yeah. Are, are you? Yeah, we'll talk yeah. about how you're feeling in a second because that doesn't look so good. <laughs> yeah. um, was this just, I mean, I think most people's instinct after colliding with another runner would be get up, get back in the race, and it seemed yeah. your instinct was to turn around and lend a helping hand. Where does that come from? You know, that's a good question. I've been asked that quite a bit in the last few days. And, and the, the thing about that moment was that everything happened so fast. And it's just kind of all I know is that I got up and my first instinct was like, okay, turn around. We got to finish this. And, and I don't think that was me. I think there was, I mean, I think that was literally like the spirit of God in me. Like, mm -hmm. let's go. Like, uh -huh. this is, it wasn't because my, my, I mean, my ACL is torn. Like, yeah. That's and a not supposed to happen. And wow. it, yeah, exactly. So And then to return the favor too. I mean, I think that's what's interesting. You guys had not met before this no. moment, right? No. So you, you guys helped each other out. What did you say afterwards? Because it was a beautiful embrace after. Yeah, yeah. I mean we just thanked each other. I yeah. think we were both just speechless at at you know, the fact that we were able to share a moment like that and we both realized that it was about so much more than our performance that day. You ran basically a mile with a torn ACL and torn meniscus. Uh, you're going to have, is this a surgery situation? Yeah, yeah, I'll schedule um, surgery when I get home. I'm so sorry. What will you take away from these games? I mean, I think just it, it, it's encouraging that a simple act of kindness just mm -hmm. resonates with people and we see it and we know that like that's what this is about and that's what the games is about and and what can happen with beautiful a, we love you abby congratulations congratulations uh, that's great did you hear her answer she said it wasn't me she said it was the spirit of god within well, let's me head down to Rio, and NBC's i thought what a powerful example of the good samaritan i mean he he does she does and then when she had an opportunity she spoke let me let me encourage you with this as we're done church family you probably a pretty good chance we're not going to be competing in the Olympics. You know, we're, we're, we're probably not those kind of athletes. But I guarantee you, there go, God's going to give you some opportunities. He may even give you some opportunities this week where you can go out of your way and help somebody. And listen, they may, they may not have any idea why you're helping them until you tell them, listen, my, my God tells me, teaches me, that I'm to love Him with everything I've got, and I'm to love you. And Jesus said, my neighbor is anybody that has a need, okay? Let me say this one more time. I don't want you to miss this. I think it's the most important thing I can share with you. When the vertical is there, when we are rightly related to God through Jesus Christ, then He empowers us to be rightly related to one another. Watch this. When Jesus Christ comes into our hearts, He forgives us of our sins. Watch this, watch this. 
and he helps us overcome the greatest of all sins. You know what the greatest of all sins is? It's idolatry. It's worship of self. Okay? And Jesus eradicates that, and that therefore empowers us to be the church, to love in word and deed, to be genuine in our, in our acts, in our real love, real faith acts, and then to speak it, to live it. God empowers us to do all of that. But have you ever noticed this? Or maybe you say, I don't, brother, I don't really, I see people hurting like that. I just say, well, Lord, help them, bless them. I, I just say, I just go on my way. Have you met Jesus? Because if you meet him, he changes you. Like I said, you're, you're probably not going to bat a thousand. But more times than not, you're, you're going to do something. You're going to help. You're going to love. I look forward to us just, just growing in this and doing this more and more as a church. So, Father, I thank you for each person here today. I'm so grateful for the Word of God. Thank you, Jesus, the Master, the Master, the Lord, the Master Storyteller. You gave us a story, Lord. You created, you created those characters, Lord. You created that plot and that conflict and that resolution, and it's forever embedded in our minds. We cannot forget this. And Lord, most of us are not going to be able to forget what we saw on the video today of just pure Christian love acted out and spoken out loud. Help us, God. Help us, Lord, to do that. Jesus, help us to be like you, willing to lay down our life, speak the truth in love. Help our whole church, God, just be totally bought in, buy into this Christianity that says, I'm going to, I'm going to live and love out loud. If you're here today, friend, and you have not met the Lord, you have not been changed by the power of God, and Abby said by the Spirit of God, I would invite you to receive the Holy Spirit. Receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says that the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells in us when we receive Him, when we believe in Him. All you have to do is say, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sins, please. Especially, Lord, this idolatry of self and come into my life. Take residence, Lord, up in my life. If you're here today like me and you know the Lord, you love the Lord, you want to do better, you don't want to miss opportunities, then pray. Ask God. Say, God, please help me. Please forgive me of missing opportunities. But now, Lord, help me take advantage of the opportunities. And, and God, I want to pray now that this very week you will give us opportunities. Lord, I pray that many would come out Tuesday night. Lord, it's like... You just present us with opportunities. And we have no idea, Lord, who's behind that door, what's behind that door. But God, you, you're allowing this radiant church to go out and to share and to encourage. I pray, Lord, you'd raise us up and help us to do it there and in our neighborhoods and where we work, wherever we are this week, God. Help us to be your people. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? Thank you. God bless you. Stand. We'll have our invitation. Invite you to come, give your heart to the Lord, come, unite with our church family, come and let somebody pray with you and encourage you even now. God bless you as you come.